Welcome back to How to Be a Better DM. Today I am joined with some awesome guests. And before I introduce them, uh, and before we even go any further, let's jump in with the warm-up that we like to do in the show. I uh, really like getting to the story as fast as possible. So, Illidine, Bone Daddy, and Thorn, here's the prompt. I want you to think of the last group that you DM'd for, okay? Uh, just take a second, think about that group in your mind, imagine the scenario, the story, all the players. Now, describe for me the character, if, if you weren't playing a character in that group, describe for me the character that you would like to have created and played as a player of that group, even while you're DMing. And anyone can go first uh, or whatever. Yeah, I'll, I'll take this one. Um, there is a, a race of people in my world uh, that I'm DMing currently that they are dragonborn sorcerers, but they're forced into being a dragonborn sorcerer. So uh, I use the, uh, the psionic crystals. So each character has a psionic crystal somewhere on their body, you know, usually a forehead or in the arm, things like that. Mm -hmm. And that kind of transforms a quote-unquote regular NPC into that Dragonborn Sorcerer. I would love to play one of those. It just seems like a really cool uh, backstory to, you know, and instead of just the, the regular oh, I was I used to be a slave. It's like, now I was a magic slave. And, <laughs> you know, I, you can get a little bit a little bit more fun and creative with it because the psionic crystals, especially like in 3rd uh, and, and 3.5 edition, uh, they had a lot of stuff to it and the psionic magic um and 5e kind of uses it a little bit and so i just homebrewed some extra rules so well that's super interesting who would like to go next now i'll go next um the last gaming session i did was actually world of darkness so i'll go back to the last uh D, &D session i ran which was with a bunch of new people they were all uh, played for less than three months, um, interested, wanting to, to do uh, big things. So I just did uh, the, the Dragon Queen and started out great, but they all, nobody played a tank. Oh. There was no frontline players. It was, it was all sorcerers. It was all wizards and a couple rogues. I mean, it was there was no frontline players in there at all. So to be honest, uh, one of my favorite frontline players is just a fighter, just a champion fighter. It's very basic, but I would do it. I always like to do them with a twist. So I kind of either take them from the fighting pits, or I take them from just a a person that that has taught himself to fight. So it's different oh. than anything so you got different moves you almost got like the drunken master in there and just a little different things in there just to make it more interesting and i always like to either if i'm playing a full tank i'll do like you know goliaths or anything like that but to be honest the way they were spread around with races and everything i would have just done dragonborn and just did a dragonborn fighter and i would have named him seth <laughs> so i love that love it plain and simple all right bone daddy your turn all right. Um, so the last game I ran was the Dungeons and Dragons campaign. It was a fusion between uh, Strixhaven, the Curriculum of Chaos, and also the Domains of Dread book. So um, what I did was I did a continuation of 
um, like, uh, in the domains of dread, there's, uh, there's like the domain lords and one of them escapes, um, in like the actual canonical, like, uh, story that in the domains of dread. Um, and it's a lich by the a lich by the name Adlon Rex like escapes. And so I did a continuation story where I had, he was like the headmaster at the Strixhaven Academy for magic. And, um, he was like trying to teach and like hide at Strixhaven. And so the players were trying to figure out why, um, the, why the domains of dread were seeping into the, the world, like the demi plane that the school was built on. They were slowly starting to seep in. It's because the entities were looking for, for Aslan to put him back where he, where he belonged. And I basically turned all like Strahd and all of the other domain lords into kids <laughs> and like had them like sleeper agents in the school. And so there was, it was, it was just a wild little adventure that I had put together for my friends. And um, I, uh, I would have loved to play in that one because it was like half like school murder mystery, half, um, half, like there was like in it, this whole world to like a uh, sandbox world that they could kind of go to and like see the different schools that were offered. Um, if I had to play a character in there, I would have loved to play like a conspiracy theorist, like kid <laughs> who's like, I'm only, he's like really into the domains of dread. Like he's like, he's like, yeah, like, and they're here and like, you don't even know. And he's like, takes a puff <laughs> of smoke and a cigarette and he's just like, <sighs> and that would have been a fun <laughs> um, to kind of just be like investigating these things. He's like determined to prove to everybody that they're here. And he's like, it's Strahd. It looks like Strahd. Look at him. <laughs> and he's like, that's a kid, guy. Like, what are you talking about? Because vampires exist on Strixhaven's world. So, like, just a vampire. Why are you so, like, you know, like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> he's like, look and at so, the shadows. You can tell. You can tell. We're everywhere. Like, look at the mist that's rolling in. And, like, no, that's just Witherbloom. Like, they're doing their experiments. Like, nah, nah, you're crazy, man. Yeah. I love that. That is so funny. Uh, well, Listener, welcome back to How to Be a Better DM. I'm Justin Lewis, and together with my cohort, Tanner Wayland, we help you craft better stories for yourselves and your players as you DM sessions of D&D 5e, regardless of how much time or money you have. And today, we are joined by some awesome guests, the voices behind the This Dungeon is Occupied podcast. We have Illidine, Thorne, and Bone Daddy. I'll actually let them share their real names later with you if they want. But first, let's go through a couple of housekeeping items. First of all, remember that we have the next one-shot coming up in September. Uh, Tanner is actually the game master for that, and we have all the spots filled. But if you're interested in watching that one-shot as a spectator, you can go to betterdungeonmaster.com audience at the time of the one-shot and enjoy just a fun show for a couple of hours. But if you are interested in signing up for the next one-shot, it will actually be in October and will be hosted by one of our guests here, Bone Daddy, he is a huge fan of horror, so we thought it was appropriate to have him host our horror-themed Halloween one-shot, uh, and if you have trauma from that, you can blame him. But you can go to Better Dungeon... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can go to BetterDungeonMaster.com slash one-shot, or sorry, one-shot to sign up for that. Lastly, we just want to thank you for all your support. We really appreciate everything you do for us, and with every episode, we strive to give you ever better content so please if we're doing something wrong or even something right go ahead and tell us but for now let's get to today's show so let's get into our discussion topics like i said feel free and when you know you answer one of these questions or, or you you input a comment if if you want to introduce yourself and, and talk about you know some of your history and experience 
uh, but don't feel like you have to. Uh, I, I figure, I think people will more so appreciate who you are by the value that you bring because in our last conversation, we were actually on their podcast. We had a lot of fun and you guys do bring a lot of value. So I figure let's just give them what they want. So today we are talking about preparing for sessions. And actually in our uh, conversation before we started recording, you guys were mentioning uh, some of the antics with uh, one of your previous campaigns and all the gold that uh, Thorn you were accruing and all the preparation that you had to uh, uh, <laughs> you had to you had to do Illidine. So I, I guess it's 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 a good place to start. How do you know when enough is enough with preparation, and sometimes when enough is too much? So I'll take this one. Uh, I'm, uh, listeners, I'm Illidine. Um, I have been playing D&D uh, for about 16 years now, uh, DM DMing for almost half that time. Um, you know it's enough once it stops being fun. Uh, I am a writer, so I love writing. I have binders upon binders of just story plots and plot hooks that I've come up with um, that have either been played or are just sitting as a, uh, a toolbox that I can pull out. Um, and... Uh, it's one of those things that if, you know, in, in the case that you were talking about, about the, the gold, I was doing Excel spreadsheets of, of gold and, and salaries. And, you know, they had, um, the, towards the end of the campaign, we went all the way to level 20. Towards the end, they had a keep that they had with uh, employees. And so I had to make sure that, okay, well, this money's coming in, but this money's going out. And we had, it was constant bookkeeping. Um, and I almost paid for QuickBooks for my campaign because it got that serious. Uh, and at that point, I was like, "All right, we need to we need to chill a little <laughs> on the finance." Uh, but it was still fun. I mean, every time that I did it, you know, it it was obviously hard to do all the math, especially when you're thinking like, "Okay, one gold is equal to thirty six point seven dollars U.S." So how much? How do I figure that out towards a beer? Okay, well, a beer is a copper. It's just it goes on forever. But as long as it's still fun. I mean, you're you're having fun. It's that that's all there is to it. Uh, that's the that's the big thing for us on our podcast is just always have fun. Um, and that's if it was a point to where I was like, okay, I really I need to sleep or I need a beer. <laughs> you just stop. That's that's all it is. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, in the warm up prompt, uh, you were talking about. I mean, you just casually mentioned that you used three different like settings to create an adventure. And brought in a bunch of different, you know, enemies. You know, just a lot of depth that I could see other people just kind of stewing over for months, just making sure they got everything right. Uh, how how did you avoid doing that, or did or did you do that? Um. Well, I so with um one of my favorite things to do. Well, when nuts brought it up is to I love cutting and pasting like the the modules together because i like seeing what the two settings would look like meshed um it's it's all it's how i prep for games that when i know that people want to play in certain settings um but i always like to keep it fresh because the source books are so like readily available that people will read through them because there are really cool stories going on but i also want to keep people on their toes so i'll usually introduce like a different concept into the game um for example i've done um Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, 
um, and prepping for that was taking Rhyme of the Frost Maidens, uh, like uh, Ten Towns um, beginning, and I fused it with a setting that had to do with, um, it's called Witch Plus Craft uh, that I had purchased. And it's a, it's a setting book that has like a really, a really fun and cute like intro um, about like a world that, um, that you can, you can add a, add a more intricate system to basically creating like alchemic components. Um, but I took that world and the fused, I fused it with the Ten Towns world. And then I also took some aspects from, from Ravenloft that I, that I particularly enjoyed that I thought would fit in well with the theme of the story. And I created a, a little, um, essentially a map in my head of where we were going to go and kind of just placed these places into the map that you could like cross over and the way they interact would interact together and what it meant for this concept to exist in this world and how that would affect um, later parts of the story. So um, that's usually how I, I'll prepare for games if I'm running modules I haven't written myself. Like, so if someone's like, I want to play around with the Frostbane. I was like, we could do that. It's not going to look the same, but it's going to follow a similar trajectory. I'm not going to throw things at you that you know how to beat. I'm going to, I'm going to send things like different little creative things that you're not expecting at you. So. Nice. So doing stuff like that obviously takes a lot of preparation that <clears throat> you, you can't really equate to like session preparation. It's more like, uh, like behind the scenes preparation. So, you know, directed to all of you guys, what sort of things are you guys doing kind of on a regular basis that you feel uh, is transferable across any session, any any game campaign, anything like that? And, and I'll start this one. Uh, Thorn, for all the listeners, I've been playing D&D and other RPGs for right around 33 years. I've uh, been, been DMing or, or story weaving, as like, we like to call it, for around about 25 uh, off and on. Um, and the last campaign I did was, was a World of Darkness campaign because uh, we, after a lot of stuff, we have other friends that are into other tabletop games. And so I have done World of Darkness off and on for a long time, so I did one. And my preparation versus their preparation, way different <laughs> because I don't like to write. And it's okay if the DMs and, and story weavers, everything, if you don't like to write, that's fine. Um, I will do some studying. Uh, I actually came up with this campaign um, from uh, a thing that I saw on YouTube called Foreververse. It's run by Ivan Van Norman, who's an amazing, amazing uh, GM. Uh, and his thing was he took... Uh, uh, his characters from World Darkness and did a did like a time travel back to World War II, and then he actually after that was over he actually went to a different tabletop game. He put them into Seven Seas, which I've never played and always have wanted to since I've listened to this because it sounds great. But uh, I took that a little bit and just put it in World Darkness and it did kind of a time traveling episode. So my game whole thing was like they fought against this thing in modern day. And then all of a sudden they're transported back to uh, Jack the Ripper. So it's England, you know, Jack the Ripper era. And it's all that's going on while they're trying to figure what, what's going on. And then after that one ended, it was back to the, the Salem Witch Trials. So I was using history in it. And I would have 
I would research it and I would look at this. This is what happened. These are the people. These are the names. This is what's going on. But other than that, I let them run wild. And each each section that I came up with had a time limit. They had this many thing, this many sessions to actually finish this. If they didn't, they got pushed. And I was keeping kind of uh, a score between them and the BBEG, just trying to figure out where they were going to land. So it was a lot of prep as far as the studying of the history of it. But I was using real history, so it was a lot easier. And, you know, I've done the big campaigns where I've wrote stuff out. I just don't like it. Um, yeah. Me, personally, I fly off the hook. <laughs> I, I'm off the cuff. I let them do what they want, and I react to it. And I think it goes pretty well for me. Not everybody can do it, but it's, it seems to work well for me. And, and with that being said, so do you do a lot of prep just, like, for the campaign in general? And then make the each session prep a little bit lighter, or do you guys yeah. kind of do it in a reverse? Yeah, okay. So the first, that's one. what I do. These guys right here, these are all written out binders. These guys do amazing. These are two of the best, and I, I'm saying from a lot of experience, they are two of the best DMs I've ever played wow. for. I mean, they are amazing, wow. and it's been so much fun doing it. Yeah, and I, true, I, I make characters that kind of wreck their plans. <laughs> But I, I'm known for saying chaos is good RP, and that's what I do. So, and I do it well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If I could add, um, with with prepping either for a big campaign or even for a session, if I, I've definitely slowed down on writing, uh, even as much as I like writing. Uh, I kind of take it as a writing outline now, you know, a little bit of bullet points. Um, and as you, as you get, I don't want to say get better, but as you continue to uh, DM and, and do, even if, uh, as a player, you are able to do a lot more improv and kind of go off of things that are um, second nature. I mean, Mark Twain says that, you know, there's no longer a original idea everything is going to be based off of something else whether it's reference from a movie reference from a book uh poetry it doesn't matter what it is it, you i mean there's been so many humans on the planet by now that there's not going to be an original idea completely it's just going to be twists of something else um i mean look at the the difference between star wars and harry potter we there's you know one orphan to another orphan it's kind of the same thing mm -hmm. but still a, that nice different twist um it's kind of the same thing when you're when you're prepping if you're if you have this idea for a story if you have something like you know bone daddy was saying a source book use the source book but at the same time make it your own uh because there's no way that you're going to memorize i mean maybe matt mercer but there's no way that you're going to be able to memorize the entire source book, the entire lore behind something that's been going on longer than you know some of us have been alive. Uh, so trying to trying to do that just puts undue stress. Um, so have your bullet points, you know, use other sources. Uh, I am a big user of fantasynamegenerator.com because I'm I'm not coming up with a thousand names for my cities. I, I have a city with a population of one million. Uh, I based it kind of off of San Antonio, 
Um, I'm not coming up with all those names. Uh, so I have a, a little bank of 15 to 20 names that I haven't used for the party, and it's on the side of my computer. I use World Anvil to uh, keep my notes organized. Um, so when I'm when I'm there and you know go into a shop, I'm just looking at the name and going, uh, yeah, that one, and then I copy and paste it to a note, and then it just makes it easier. So I think that that's more my prep now is just having a couple of quick PowerPoint or bullet point notes that I can look at and go, all right, this is cool. Let's run with it. I love that. Okay. Go ahead, Tanner. Uh, no, it's, it's just interesting. I think I'm noticing uh, from a lot of you, you're saying that kind of like, hey, do a lot of the bulk of your prep maybe early on, like when you're writing the campaign, but then for each session afterwards, uh, you know, don't don't stress over the nitty gritty of each session. Yeah, am I wrong? About that? Yeah, no, that's. Yeah. Sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, go go ahead. Oh, um, that's so. Well, uh, when I think like the bulk of the campaign at the beginning with my with notes and and things along those nature, I usually the way I start my beginning bulk uh, prep is I I look at what the goal of my campaign is going to be. So I have my story in mind. Um, and I break down specific story points that I want to touch on things. So the end, of course, like what I want my ending to, to have kind of shape and look like the general goal. And then I break down what needs to happen in the story. And I, I kind of branch it out. I'm like, so there's possibilities I can go from each of these points, but these are points that I want to hit on. And that makes it a little easier to kind of, to kind of prep for me. Cause at that point, I'm I'm more a little more flexible. So as long as I reach point A, um, or a general form of point A, um, then I can. Doesn't matter how they get there. So like it gives the opportunity for um, for improv. It gives the opportunity for um, any kind of like offshoot they want to do, and um, and I kind of just weave it around that. Uh, essentially, it just branch off there, and then it does not. Al- and it's not always a straight line. They don't always go down the path that I present to them. So it's kind of like a curve around. But I definitely, I'll write out notes on the side. I'll be like, um, in case this happens, this is a possibility. I'm um, just kind of to think about it, and then I just play it off uh, when they get there. So like, I'll I'll think of what what would be the next reaction, what would be the next thing they do, and then I'll I'll, I'll play my story off from there. I like it. Okay. Illidine, you wanted to add to that, I think? Yeah, it, it's kind of the, the difference between railroad and sandbox campaigns. You know, railroading is a very direct line. There's there's these walls, kind of like a bowling alley. You know, you can only go one direction. The, the sandbox, it, it's a little bit wider. Um, I do like to think of a sandbox, you know, it's still a box. So you still have the parameters of your campaign, but your characters and, and your players can go basically wherever they want um and one of the things that i like because i i've been a player in a railroad campaign and you know sometimes it works but if you are the type of person that kind of gets upset if uh if your players don't follow a plot hook um instead of saying no 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 this is how it's gonna go you know and forcing the story that way take the plot hook and move it in the sandbox there's nothing wrong with your the town that they didn't go to. Just move it. If it doesn't make sense that, you know, if you're in a ocean town and all, everybody was merfolk and, and sea elves and things, and now they're in the desert, well, great. I mean, now they're 
Ganassi, now they're uh, Dragonborns, whatever. Just change that. You don't have to change the names, you don't have to change the, 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 the towns, all that other hard work that you did that you, you thought of or even just looked at and copied. Copy and paste it somewhere else. It's kind of railroady, but it doesn't feel that way anymore. So you can still use those things and still have fun with it instead. Because being in a railroad, a true railroad campaign can be extremely boring. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's less railroady and more uh, stress reducing for the G or the DM, <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, kind of talking about how you guys kind of prefer to do a lot of prep work up front in the campaign. What sort of things do you need? Or, or do you think need to be covered or at least uh, thought about just for, you know, for our newbie listener out there who wanting to run the first campaign, you're saying, hey, if you're if you're going to start a campaign, you need to have these things at least started in your mind in order to start correctly. Well, the, the one thing I would say, and it, it kind of sounds uh, counterintuitive is you have to think about the ending. Because all campaigns come to an end, or at least an arc does. You have to think about how you imagine it ending. And you can't be hurt if it doesn't end that way. So what I do is I think of how I want this to end. I, I think of the campaign and everything and how I want it to end. And then you kind of work backwards. You say, okay, so they got to go to here, they got to go to here, these things need to happen, or they don't. There's a ways around it. Like me, I am known for just changing mind on the fly. So if your characters come up with a good idea or if they come up with a really roundabout way or just something that's very creative to get them to, to a certain step in it, let them do it because it makes for a better story. I mean, it, you don't have to think of everything. That's one thing I've learned over the years I've playing is you do not have to think of everything because your players can think up of a lot. Use them. But I think, the, I think one of the most important things to think of is just the ending. You've got to figure out how you want it to end because it can't go on forever. I think, uh, I think with, with the specific prep, the most important thing would probably be just a blank notebook uh, because your players, like, like Thorne said, you know, your players are going to come up with something. Um, and if you're, let's say you're in a murder mystery uh, and the person was actually Colonel Mustard with the candlestick, but the player was like, you know what? It'd be really interesting if it was the, the maid. Um, and, you know, write that down. And it's way cooler to have the players go, I told you, it's that thing. It's, I, you know, that's that's the, I, I knew it the whole time 10 sessions ago. <laughs> Instead of, you know, I guess it, it could be cool to still have a twist, you know, and, and, maybe they think it's the one person the whole time and it turns out to be a party member uh but if the if the cool ending isn't cool for the party you fail it has to be fun it has to be that i i like to say it's the rule of cool if it's cool and you guys are talking about it 10 years later over drinks then you've won that's that's the only way to win any tabletop game um but aside from that it would be you know, like I said, uh, maybe a bullet point of a couple of names. Um, so that way, you know, like I said, if, I, if I'm writing a whole binder full of campaign work and then they say, oh, well, what's this guy's name? 
I can't remember. You know, it's not the only like. That's why I said like Matt Mercer can do it, and and the other awesome professional DMs because they're that's their job. Mm-hmm. They they're paid to do that. But a lot of us have one or two extra jobs on top of being a story weaver, uh, and. Trust me, story weaving can sound like a, a job, uh, and I know you guys have talked about it on an episode before, but if you guys are starting to do an hour or two hours of, of prep work every time you have a session and it's weekly, now you're starting to get almost into a full-time job, you know, starting to think about it. Um, so if you're not going to be able to remember and, and a player says, hey, what's this uh, the, this tavern's name? Instead of saying, oh, hold on, let me look at my binder and take 10 minutes to turn the page to the right spot just have a few names up there and you know you kind of get a feel for where your players are going to go if if they're traveling from point a to point b somewhere in between there if you have a plot hook event you know it's going to happen so just have that little spot there don't have the whole 20 page book uh or a whole bunch of ideas and it does help if you have a little bit of improv experience or practice improving, because then you're like, well, what's that guy's name? That's George, the guard. Uh, he's uh, 18 years old, and uh, he's holding a, a a pike, and he's he's stopping you, and you know he uh, maybe he had a, a a late puberty, and his voice is still still messed up, and then you can throw out a fun voice, and that'll be more memorable, and then you just write that down. All right, George, the pike guy at the guard door and that's all you need and then you can just go from there and i i did that reference because that's exactly what happened with my wife <laughs> she really wanted the the guard to have a name and i was like all right you know what um yeah he's he's got uh, this weird crackly voice and, and he was like stop uh, you need to wait at the gate and she just she died and, <laughs> and so now i was like all right well he's he's in the campaign now <laughs> so that's amazing. I love those. <laughs> well, well, Justin, I, I feel like it's a perfect time to go into the continuation of the warm-up. Yes. Because he did mention betrayal. <laughs> so uh, another thing we like to do uh, lately is kind of continue the warm-up and uh, progress it another step. So think of that character you described at the beginning of today's show. Now describe the moment in which that character you described betrays the other party members okay this uh, is so up our alley you have no idea <laughs> yeah. i can see all of us nodding um, yeah. <laughs> bone daddy you want to take I'll it yeah first. yeah so um as i was saying i the curriculum of chaos and uh the um domains of dread as they're fused together so aslan rex has escaped his imprisonment and the entities that 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 keep the prisoners in the domains of dread are seeking him out they send the domain lords as like sleeper agents. Um, I'm really into Magic the Gathering, so I keep saying sleeper agents because I'm like Phyrexian sleeper agents. <laughs> um, but uh, the um, like, yeah. And so my character is um, working with the party, and then Aslan Rex finally reveals himself, and my uh, my character's head like explodes, and there's like a little like um, little weird like elder brain in there, like a tiny elder brain, and it's like finally. Because one of the domain lords is an elder brain that's completely crazy, and so it's like finally, and that's why he's, that's why he's so crazy is because it's it's the elder brain just like kept itself dormant for a little while until the right time, and it's just oh, slowly man. been reading so everybody's crazy. information off their head. So <laughs> the reason he's crazy is because he's like consistently getting feedback from everyone's like thoughts, 
And so that would that would be the moment he'd betray them is once the reveal is done and then he'd uh, open portals to let like uh, mind flayers into the school. You work eight hours a day. You spend time with your family. And when you come home, you do work around the house. And it seems that you never have as much time as you would like to prepare for your D&D sessions. Does this sound like you? Wouldn't it be amazing to have endless material prepared for your D&D sessions anyways? That's where Roll and Play Press comes in. Roll and Play Press provides D&D 5e compatible material for any type of session. Running a one-shot? Check out their One-Shot Wonders book with over 100 one-shot ideas. Getting started with a new sci-fi campaign? Get their Game Master's Sci-Fi Toolkit to have your games much more prepared with much less effort. Why reinvent the wheel? Check out Roll and Play Press at rollandplaypress.com, see what they have to offer, and get a 10% discount when you buy something by using the code BETTERDM10, that's B-E-T-T-E-R-D-M-10, at checkout. Give yourself just a little bit extra help so that you can continue being the world's greatest dungeon master. Oh my goodness, so he <laughs> is the greatest conspiracy theory in and of, in and of himself. That's amazing. That's yeah. awesome. He's like, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> it was me all along. Mind blown. <laughs> I love it. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, for mine, because, uh, you know, uh, the whole quote-unquote slavery thing and being forced into uh, this dragonborn sorcerer uh, with the psionic crystal, um, I would add that in his deep backstory, uh, he volunteered. Uh, maybe maybe the BBEG helped him sometime in his life, or you could even, if you wanted to get really spicy, you could multiclass him in a warlock. And his patron is the the thing that he's trying to help, uh, especially Archlich patrons. It is a really awesome uh, <laughs> patron to have. Uh, the spells in there are amazing. Uh, but uh, I, I would have it where you know the. The patron asked him, you know, to, to do this thing, and he's, well, I, I need a little bit extra power. And he gave him a psionic crystal instead of just giving him extra spells, you know, along the warlock list. And he says, here's this crystal, uh, it takes a sacrifice, and just jabs it in, and he's now he's a, a dragonborn sorcerer slash warlock. Uh, and I, I guess the, you know, the, the betrayal would, would be revealing that the entire time that uh, they've been working with the party. They every time that they've gone behind the scenes, if they split up, you know, we're it's just a day in the town. Let's go shopping. Great. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go over here. Uh, I wanted to get some some items for uh, for potions. Uh, and maybe there's some behind the scenes work with the DM of trying to uh, subvert the party's uh, missions or. Uh, try and get something to line up to where it's the big reveal is we get to the BBEG's lair and you know maybe there's a monologue and the sorcerer just walks across and turns around and is now on the BBEG's side just looking at the party that that would be fun that sounds amazing <laughs> I'm gonna have to write that down <laughs> <laughs> so w with mine being with a with a beginner party I would I think it would be very dramatic, and which I'm, I'm big on is like the big reveal. 
to do it early on. So you got this dragonborn character that secretly follows Tiamat. And they're in the first castle setting in Horde of the Dragon Queen when they're fighting all the kobolds and everything mm-hmm. like that. And he's just helping them through that and everything. And it comes to the part where the dragon comes on and he, he kind of helps through that. And then you got that one-off, that one-on-one versus the uh, the big dragonborn like general. Mm-hmm. And have have Seth just walk out lately like he's going to challenge him and then just fall in behind him <laughs> and reveal to the party that he is actually part of the, the bad guys. I love it. All along. <laughs> my, my goodness. Yep. Uh, I love all those. We are big fans of the betrayal. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> <laughs> All the players betray each other and they're like, wait. What? <laughs> well, and it it can be fun, uh, you know. When we've we've talked about this before, but um, when you're going to do something like that, uh, it, it does take a certain table to play a betrayal, like a player betrayal. Mm-hmm. Some people don't like it. Some people don't like PvP. Uh, but if you have a table that's willing to accept it, a fun one is to allow everyone at the table to know that it's going to happen. Hey guys. Steve is the bad guy. He, he, the people know, but your characters do not. Uh, you know, try not to metagame, but let's play it that way. We know that that's happening, and it, it can be a really fun brain teaser because now you're you're thinking about okay, well, my character doesn't know this. I have to figure out how my character would act, and that forces you as a a, a player to. Uh, get better at, at role-playing and getting into your character's mindset you know because otherwise you're like well i mean i know he's a bad guy so i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna go ahead and follow him every time he tries to to separate the party <laughs> but your character would your character do that does your character actually trust him because he saved your life a, a couple of sessions ago you know like okay yeah that's probably true so you have to dig in to your character mindset and I've played a a campaign like that, and then I, I believe Thorne's done something similar, um, and it, it just really helps get into to that that mindset to get into better RP, and then you can use those tools later on for other campaigns. Wow, yeah, I love that. Nice. Um, on that note, <clears throat> uh, you mentioned that you know it, one of the best things for preparation is to be really good at improv, or at least have some practice. So, what sort of things? Have you guys done or have you heard of other people doing or would you recommend for practicing improv or, or getting better at it so that way that aspect of session preparation or campaign campaign preparation is taken care of? My favorite game to play is What If. And it, it's all it is, and I've, I've been doing it since I was a kid because my, my dad likes to write and so he, he likes storytelling. And we'd always think of of these what if scenarios so what if uh, you're walking in the in the woods and you see um, a paw print and you want to take a look at it what are you doing and you know of course my dad did 30 years in the marine corps and i was in boy scouts so a lot of it had to do with real life (laughs) he was kind (laughs) of teaching me life lessons but we took it a step further and added on that fantasy level because obviously you know if i'm a kid i'm like well what if what if the the bear was was flying and he he landed right there and i mean my dad would just take it and, and go with it but if you play that with your friends or even with you know playing by yourself and thinking about it through your head like what if this happens what if that happens you kind of build your own 
toolbox and toolkit of improv stuff. So when Thorn, the chaotic dude that he is, throws <laughs> a a new mercenary group of warlocks at me, uh, I go, great, yeah, there's mercenary warlocks. Um, they all dress exactly the way you described your character, uh, and they are now um, the Divine Aeon. And write that down. Cool. The Divine uh, Divine Aeon has, obviously, it's a mercenary group, so they have a, a head guy. And the head guy is going to be, uh, I don't know, Bobbert. And just keep on going from there. But all you're doing is, is just playing that what-if, that add-on game, and just adding to it. Um, a lot of that came from my reading background. I read, I read a lot of books. I watch a ton of content i mean i keep mentioning matt mercer because i i've seen almost all of critical role i you know dimension 20 all those things if you watch those things it's absolutely impossible not to soak up some of that uh creativity because i mean even watching a regular tv regular tv show on like netflix or something you're getting somebody else's story mm -hmm. and so now that story is at least in the very back of your mind and if something just happens to trigger it, you know, then you can, you just play off of it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Now, I, I did something very similar, like, back in high school. Uh, we would start a story. Like, we, I had a pretty large group of just, like, nerds, friends. You know, we were all just playing D&D &D and stuff like that. So we would, one person would start a story, and the next person would take it over. And then the next person would take it over. And when you do that with, you know, five or six people, you can get a pretty in-depth story going on. And so it was very similar to what, what Illidine said, but we were just telling whichever kind of story you want. And, I mean, it was fun. We'd do it, I mean, sometimes we'd do it for hours, just in a circle, just in a circle, keep going. And it really taught me a lot about improv, about coming up with stuff just on the fly. But one thing that we've done for... Um, uh, Raven, because she wanted to learn more about coming off the cuff, is she just ran a campaign with no prep. Oh, wow. And had us in it. And that's always a lot of chaos. So it really, it's taught her a lot about about where to go when somebody brings up something that you're not expecting. And it really has taught her a lot about improv and, and coming up with the stuff just off a of fresh mind. Also, um, one thing I like to do with newer players that I play with is um, if we're if they're trying to learn how to work more off the cusp and off of uh, and do improv, is that I'll have them I'll have them come to a campaign with no idea what what they're gonna expect, like no backstory, no nothing, and I just to bear, bring the barest bone of character uh, of their character, like just the basic idea of what they want to be, and then from there we'll just build on it together. Like we'll go through the, and I will present situations and scenarios like the what if situations that Illidine was talking about. And from those situations, I'll build on to their characters for them and they'll write it down and write down like this is an aspect of their story. And I'll have them come out with it on the spot and I'll, I'll provide like if they're stuck, which is a very common thing to happen. I'll provide little like, like anecdotes. Like I'll be like, oh, like, do you think this is something they would enjoy? And then, like, kind of, they would work off of that presented um, idea, and it would kind of like spark something else in them. And then we eventually just build. By the end of it, they build a character, and we've gone through like a little scenario that um, it could lead somewhere, it couldn't. Like, I mean, it's just just little situations, little conflicts we're dealing with. So, that's awesome. Go ahead, Elodie. Yeah, um, there is a 
uh, a way for the story weaver to help uh, new players, like the Bo Daddy was saying, is, is giving these prompts. Um, if you are, um, in, let's say, just in the middle of combat, and they, well, I, uh, I cast Fireball. Okay, cool, you cast Fireball. Uh, how does that happen? You know, how do you describe the fireball? Does it come out of your hand? Is it a, a, a laser beam? Is it, you know, whatever it is, describe that. And that is the simplest way to, I use the word lightly, but force the player to roleplay because they have to think of the detail, you know, think of a color of the spell, think of how, you know, it shoots out. Do you have tattoos? Does your character, you know, use that tattoo to flow? Um, and it, it kind of gets those juices flowing and the other thing that i love doing is if they have a paragraph of backstory even just a paragraph can make a full-on book worth of story it can it can make an entire campaign and if you are in the campaign and these players have come they they come to you with a, a even a one sentence backstory <laughs> okay um i was raised by wolves great you know what's going to happen to your wolf pack, <laughs> and you know it's it, it's something that you can you can twist, especially if you're doing a horror story. Hey, that wolf pack—they're now werewolves, um, and you have to either try and cure the lycanthropy, maybe you get bit, you know, things like that can happen, um, and it, it can really be anything. One of our favorites that we like to talk about is uh, Thorn and I used uh, Lady Hawk, uh, the movie. Uh, to come up with his dual characters. He played two characters at the same time that were twins. Um, and we we just kind of homebrewed a little bit of a mechanic. Uh, and, you know, by day, you know, the, uh, uh, the sister was awake and uh, the brother was a wolf and the, you know, the opposite was true. The uh, sister was the, the hawk and, you know, the, the brother was the, the elven form. And it was interesting that um, we came up with the basic concept, and then I said, you know what, um, it'd be interesting if Bane was the person who changed your, your forms. Maybe it was a curse. Um, and using his backstory, putting it into the campaign, we had a whole, I don't know, six or seven session story arc just for his characters. And because of that, it made Thorn really have to think about his backstory. How does it affect the, the, the characters themselves? How do they react, you know, differently to other players? Because they've already been scorned once by a god. How are, you know, I mean, how are they going to uh, react to other NPCs and things like that? So if, if the story weaver can just use even a small port of, uh, okay. yeah. of yeah, their that, backstory, um, it one, one it question can I've really had, get them you know, to Since we're talking a lot engage. about, like, uh, you know, we've talked about how, hey, you can avoid having to prep a lot for each session if you've done a lot of preparation for the campaign in general. We've also talked about an improv. So I'm wondering, in your guys' opinion, is there any specific, uh, like, let, let's say that you've done all that, right? You're fairly good at improv. You've prepared for the campaign in general. Is there any kind of specific and... Uh, and immediate preparation before each session that you can make that can kind of elevate the session like or do you think it's not really necessary to write any paragraphs or prepare specific things i'm just curious 
No, I, I think you can you can prepare specific things. You can write your paragraphs. You can write down uh, like simple backstories or just what you what you want out of that session that day. Um, I personally, uh, when I do it, I make sure I try to read back on the previous session notes because you want to be prepared for what has already happened for sure. Um, but you really, if you if you want the party to go a certain way or if you want to set forth certain specifics that you want to happen in that session, write the bullet points down. Write down what you, what you want to have come up because... Believe it or not, it's not always just pure chaos. You do have a bit of control and, and pointing that gun and aiming it and firing. It doesn't mean you're going to hit exactly where you want to. You can't be upset if it doesn't. That's where the improv comes in. But if you want to set those specific bullet points down, there, that's perfect. That's what you need. That's where you want to hit. That's where you want to lead the party. I'm not saying railroad them. I'm saying that's where you want this, this session to aim towards. Um, if you play with a bunch of DMs like I do, that never happens. It never really goes the way you want it to. Uh, but that's okay. As long as everybody's having fun, that's fine. But yeah, definitely write down the bullet points and see where the general direction you want it to go. And then adding to that, um, it, it does get a little easier um, prepping for a session in the beginning um, as, you, as you play longer with a group. Because initially my, my notes are very... When I, when I start with a new group, my notes are very like, this is, there's some ideas that I have for this first session that we could touch on. This is the goal that I'm working towards. And I break it down even further than that. And I'm like, this is like either the conflict or the story point I want to touch on, like possibly within like the first session or session number two. Um, and then like kind of gently lead them there. Like it's just, they, you, like Elodie was saying, like moving, moving story beats and story points around. So that way, like, they still reach that goal. It's just, they're, but they're still doing what they want to do and the thing. But um, when you play with uh, people that you play, like, when you play with them for a while, um, it gets easier to know. And because I, like, playing with Thorne and Illidine, um, I, if they play in a game of mine, I, I know that I can expect chaos from Thorne. I know I can expect Illidine to work off the chaos from Thorne and also be slightly chaotic as well. A little less, but a little, but also like, I know that it's going to happen when they're playing together. And so I know what I can present and what would work well during my, that session prep. And it's just getting to know your players, like their, their play styles, what they're, what they're looking for in their, in their game, in the, in the game that they're playing and what their character, um, re, how their character reacts to things. So, um, that's, that's one of the ways that I, I, I prep for my sessions. I like that. I, I really think it's important to know your care or your know your players and uh, to your point and, and kind of what you were talking about earlier Thorne uh, about you know letting your players also add to the prep uh, is there any anything you guys do specifically saying hey this week you are prepping this specific aspect player uh, and and not necessarily like the whole session prep but hey player i need you to write this backstory for this npc or do do you guys do anything like that and if so uh, how do you manage that and what do you prefer versus what do you not prefer thorn and i have a novel's worth of text messages back and forth a lot of things we do is behind the scenes um and i've uh we have another player uh penny who uh i he loves world building um and so i have 
I have this idea uh, for a council uh, called the Veiled Assembly, and I had the seven characters. I had a name for the person. I had um, uh, the general idea. I said, Penny, here's two sentences. You're creating the character. And, you know, luckily, like, my my group, luckily, is all DMs. So when I say, hey, create a character, they're like, great. I statted it. I've got a backstory. Here's the name. Here's a here's a secondary if you need it. Uh, and, and just go on from there. Um, and a lot of times we'll either get on a Zoom call or text back and forth. Uh, but when we did, when Thorne and I did the Lady Hawk thing, we, I mean, for weeks we were talking back and forth, and uh, it was fun because both of us ended yeah, up having to yeah. rewatch the movie to get a lot more uh, in depth. You know, we were research, right? <laughs> so uh, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I definitely say, as far as like specific prep work. If it's, you know, like Bone Daddy said, if it's a bunch of friends, a lot easier to not have to prep. Um, and to your question, you know, if you want to ask them to, to come up with something or, you know, tell them that, hey, I'm totally okay with you coming up with something on the fly. Uh, just like the example I gave with Thorne and that, that mercenary warlock. That was in the middle of a session that we were we were talking and his character just said, <laughs> yeah, I'm a part of a mercenary, you know, a warlock mercenary group. And I was like, great, yeah, write that down, cool. Um, so, you know, but if it's, I do the most prep work, oddly enough, for a one shot. It, I, I have the entire story planned out. I have all my bullet points. I, my computer is just laden with stuff. Uh, and I'll, the last one shot I did, I actually had, uh, two computers <laughs> ready to go. I had everything, uh, the story wise on one side, I had all my NPCs and towns on the other. Uh, so that way I, it, it didn't ruin the immersion you know if like oh man do i do i remember who this guy was okay cool like instead i could just look over really quick and it helps to have um i've i've volunteered at a uh, uh it's called san japan it's a uh, anime convention here in san antonio um and uh, uh bone daddy did it as well I had handouts for the for the players and just let them, you know, hey, this is uh, what's going on. This is uh, how we're going to do things um, and do that with our group. There's no way I'm doing that. I'm not printing anything out for these guys. They're, they, you know, they, I, I've been playing with them long enough to where I know that if I kill Thorne's character, he's totally cool with it. He prefers it because of the drama. Do you love these podcast episodes but aren't always able to listen to them? Do you learn better reading information rather than listening to it? Here's what you can do. Go to sessionzerostudios.com slash newsletter. Sign up for our weekly newsletter. You'll get tips and tricks sent directly to your inbox in written format that you can read and reference whenever you want. You'll get tips that we don't share on the podcast and bonus techniques that frankly no one has ever heard before. Again, sessionzerostudios.com slash newsletter and uh, get those free tips and techniques right to your inbox every week. Uh, and it's great because uh, everyone else at the table, even though, like, let's say Raven, she hates her character is dying and will do everything in her power, in, including begging, uh, like, different gods. Our, arc 1, she became a cleric for a god because she didn't want her her character to die. It was interesting. So it was a wizard, uh, a wizard uh, cleric uh, <laughs> multi-class. Um, 
but with Thorn, if I quote unquote accidentally kill his character, the rest of the table still gets that feeling of drama, but I haven't hurt Thorn's feelings. You know, we've talked about it many, many times. You know, hey, what can I get away with your character? He was like, I don't know, rip an arm off. It's fine. You know, it's it's just what we do. Um, so, like I said, like playing with friends, you can get away with a lot more. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've died in all Dane's campaigns, so I'm... <laughs> Lots. Three. Two or three. <laughs> That's excellent. That's he died cool. ten minutes in. <laughs> Amazing. Ten you minutes in, he died. Love that. God, oh, it was it. great. And he did it so great. It was amazing. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, well, I think we're coming down to the end of the time we have scheduled with you guys. Uh, Tanner, are there any final questions you have for this dungeon is occupied? Okay. Uh, if you could give one way for, uh, for a new DM to just improve their session prep, give one tip real quick at the end for each of you oh that's a good one that's 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 hard because i remember being a new dm and it sucked (laughs) uh it was horrible um the biggest tip is is don't be afraid to mess up uh honestly you're gonna make mistakes the story's gonna go wonky you're gonna mess up roles you're not gonna know what roles to ask for it's okay this is a learning thing you have to learn to do this and to do it well I'm not saying you can't come in and be amazing from the start, but I guarantee you 90% of the people aren't. Don't let it discourage you. And as long as you have good friends at the table and people that are supporting you, you're going to be fine. So just don't be afraid to make a mistake because everybody does it. I made so many. (laughs) So that's what I've got. Great. Love that. And uh, I would say just just wholeheartedly um, follow if you... If you feel like something's working for you, then do it. Like everybody works differently, everyone thinks differently, and don't let um, don't let anybody uh, tell you that what you're doing isn't the correct way to do it. Like have confidence in what you're doing. So if it's working for you, if you feel like taking, if you feel like going in and doing like five pages worth of prep, like writing a handwritten like single space is working for you, then you do that. Like as long as it. As long as you're reaching the goal that you want to do uh, or you want to have for the, the game, then there isn't any reason the way you're doing it is any better or worse than how anyone else does it. So, Yeah, and, and kind of adding on to that, um, something that we say uh, in our Patreon uh, podcast part is steal everything and have fun. That is our, our rule for tabletop. Because if I can take Star mm-hmm. Wars and change it into D&D 5e. Everyone at our table loves Star Wars. Why the heck not? Let's do it. Or that whole story, if you want to be Luke Skywalker, let's go for it. We're going to do it. Um, and the thing is, is if I'm not having fun, why am I playing a game? It's, it's in the word play. So just have fun with it. And, you know, like Thorn and Bone Daddy said, like if, if, um, if you're just going to sit down and you're going to, uh, do all this prep work that we've been talking about all episode, and then you get to the table and you're like, "Man, I'm I am not feeling this. Uh, I I have I just have to stop." Like that's gonna ruin. I mean, that could ruin friendships. Like it, you know, like if you guys all plan this out and then you get here and you're like, "You know what? F your story, man. Like I I'm done with this." Like that's that's gonna be heartbreaking. So just 
make sure that you're having fun. If it becomes a job, if it's a chore, like man, I've got a I've got to prep for this next session. Like, then we've got to slow down. Maybe talk to your party. Say, hey, guys, I need a break from DMing for a little bit. Uh, who wants to take next? You know, uh, change the story up. Do a one-shot. Um, that's something that we've done as well. Is like, if we're playing a campaign and I'm noticing that the table is starting to slow down, you know, the players are not quite into it as much, guess what? We're doing a one-shot. Is the one-shot part of the world? I could make it that way. But if we're going to go down to Sugarcane uh, Candyland and uh, play with some, I don't know, gingerbread NPCs, we're just going to do it for fun, and it's going to be great. And Bone Daddy's done uh, Halloween sessions before. We've done uh, a Christmas session with a Yule Cat, uh, those different things. And it's funny because we did the one shot. We got our, our juices flowing. We kind of relaxed a little bit. Everybody laughed, and you know we uh, had some uh, eggnog at the same time. The items that we got from the one shot carried over into the to the regular campaign because why not? It's there. It's fun, um, and then all hell broke loose because uh, one of our party members had a staff that when it did magic, it was like all Christmas trees, uh, and uh, and and like tinsels and things <laughs> like that. And so like you, if we were in the Halloween town and like all right, here's a Christmas tree, boof. <laughs> and so, uh, but. You know, just just having that fun, um, it lets you breathe. That's that's the most important part. Well, all of that is super insightful. Um, I, yeah, I don't know if I can say anything else that would uh, supersede that or, or, or be better. So I think we better leave with giving our audience an opportunity to reach out to you, support you, or see what you're up to. So how can they get in touch with all of you or, or however you prefer? Yeah, uh, firstly, I mean, thanks for having us on. Uh, it's been an awesome honor. Um, and honestly, everything is in our link tree. Uh, so link, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash this dungeon is occupied pod. Um, and we're on all the platforms. We're on, we're technically on TikTok. I haven't done a, a video in ages, but we're on TikTok. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and all that jazz. Perfect. So uh, we'll we'll have that link over to you for the, the show notes. But that's the easiest way to get in contact. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, yeah, listener, all of that will be in the show notes. Make sure you reach out to them. Uh, and they do have an extra special Patreon part of their podcast, which... If you want, you can actually see some behind-the-scenes talk when Tanner and I were on their show. So go check out their Patreon. Make sure you guys sign up for that. Uh, I think I think that was a good show, guys. I think we did it. Uh, anything else anyone wants to say before we let our listener go? No, just thanks for having us. This has been an amazing experience for us. We've never been <laughs> interviewed for another podcast before. Uh, so this has been a, a blast and just really just thanks for having us. Perfect. Love to having you guys. Agreed. Like. Uh, you would never have known that this was your guys' first time. Uh, you guys are naturals, and uh, hopefully we see you guys on many more podcasts rather than just on How to Be a Better DM and This Dungeon is Occupied. Uh, but, listener, thank you guys for... Uh, thank you, This Dungeon is Occupied, for being here with us. And, listener, make sure you guys come back next week for another awesome show. But until then, let's go ahead and roll initiative. <laughs>